That awareness of what's happening inside you, in your gut or heart or however you experience that, that is something that is so key for a withdrawer. So many times we never take the time to notice that, to pay attention to it and really get an awareness of what our body is. So ask yourself that question. What do I feel in those moments? How does this impact my body? Because that'll start to inform what you can kind of call it. I'm Angela. And I'm Chad. And we discuss issues that couples face in everyday life. Then we set you up to have a conversation with your partner that's designed to bring you closer together. This is the Connecting Couples podcast with the real Emhoffs. Real conversations for a real connection. Welcome back. We're talking about pursuers and withdrawers, and we're talking about the difference between escalated and de-escalated strategies. So in the last episode, we talked about pursuers and what it looks like when they get hijacked by that emotion, when it really just takes over the interaction and neither party, the pursuers don't like themselves and the withdrawers aren't big fans when the pursuers get hijacked. And so we talked about what it looks like to be de-escalated and to really have a different kind of awareness. And now we're gonna switch sides and talk a little bit about a de-escalated withdrawer, which sounds like an oxymoron, it right? Does a little because bit like escalation, yeah, no. <laughs> escalation feels like heightened emotion, really yeah. big, engaged, which tends to be the description of an escalated pursuer. But what we're really saying is the strategy that each side uses is at full play. So a, yeah. a withdrawer that is escalated is really withdrawn, yeah. is really disengaged, is really going to those avoidant strategies, avoidant maybe even some addiction or addictive behaviors or things they go to to comfort themselves. That is an escalated withdrawer. Yeah. And so what it looks like then for the relationship to be a little bit more de-escalated and for that withdrawer strategy to be a little bit more engaged, which is a little bit less escalated. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think your point about it being an oxymoron, right? It's like literally withdrawers are trying all the time to, to appear de-escalated, right? They, they think that what I'm doing is going to, this will calm the thing down. This will cool it off. This will make it pause. And it, it really does not work. Uh, because as soon as I go away, as soon as I shut down and pull back, man, what happens? The energy shows up. There's a, there's more of the fight. And and then we take even more strategies that kind of don't work, right? Whether that's the, we've talked about all these with the humor, the intellect, the, the just shutting it down or placating it. I'm like, those things are things that we, I would consider escalation for a withdrawer. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to my, my jokes or if I'm going to just placation, man, that means that I'm not here. Yeah. I'm not with you. And so very similar to a pursuer's side that we just finished last episode, but in a withdrawer's de-escalation, I think the very, very, very first step is to say, I notice something happen right before I am drawn or pulled away. Uh, that our, our, our protection pulls us a lot of times we don't even have an awareness of it and so to grab awareness before we go to the cognition or, or exit the building right that awareness of what's happening inside you in your gut or heart or however you experience that um, that is something that is so key for a withdrawer so many times we never take the time to notice that to pay attention to it and really get an awareness of what our body is so i want to encourage you withdrawers if, if you're thinking hey we're starting to slow down 
Ask yourself that question. What do I feel in those moments? How does this impact my body? Because that'll start to inform what you can kind of call it. I was working with a couple and really trying to help both of them de-escalate. And the withdrawer was asking, like, just give me one move. And the pursuer said, I just need you to stay because their particular escalated cycle was he'd left the house. He would just go out the front door. Yeah. And they talked about him putting a post-it on the door at eye level, and it just said, stay. And so they came in a couple <laughs> weeks later, and he said, the post-it worked. <laughs> I grabbed the handle and saw the, the word, and he said, I turned around. And very similar to the last episode when we talked about me saying, I don't want to trump drama, he said, my body is telling me it is best if I leave, but I'm learning that that's not what's best for us. Yeah. And she started crying and broke down and he gave her a hug and it just completely shifted. And I'm like, okay, not necessarily completely de-escalated because they still get in a fight. Remember, we're not even pitching that you're not going to fight, but that he just pumped the brakes on his strategy yeah. enough to turn around and say, I don't even think this will be helpful, but I'm learning that my other strategy definitely doesn't make me feel more connected to you. Right. So I'm going to try this. I'm going to stay. And that tiny little gesture was just enough to shift that interaction and yeah. not get into a completely escalated cycle. Tiny little moves. That's what we're really talking about here. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, you know, man, I've had, we've had this, we've had this conversation with lots of people, but the idea that like my leaving is escalation, it, it it's hard sometimes for for a withdrawer to see it that way because it is the way that they're kind of like saying, "Hey, I'm going to cope. I'm going to I'm going to make this better," but I'm like that leaving sends a pretty nasty message. I think a lot of times withdrawers are like, "Oh, if I just go, then it'll be all right," but but the leaving is actually saying, "Hey, it's sending a message to the partner that says I'm yeah. not worth it. Yeah, exactly. you don't even want to fight for me." So for that guy to turn around and say, "Hey, no, I'm I'm gonna stay." Right, and, and you can tell that, that that's probably done some good things for the people you've worked with, but like like the fact that I'm gonna stay means something also, Yeah. right? So de-escalation a lot of times may look like or feel like an escalation to a withdrawer. It, it's, it's almost counterintuitive, especially in that sense, because it's like, I am gonna stay and I'm gonna lean into what is happening in this room, not, not disengage from so it. So internal feeling for a withdrawer, I hear you, I think you're saying, might actually increase anxiety. Yeah. Because leaving the room gives you some relief. Yep. But staying almost feels like, why would I do this anxiety producing? But on the relationship, it actually slows that cycle down, which is de-escalating the relationship, yeah. which yeah. in the long run will co-regulate both bodies. Yeah, exactly. Well, and we cannot co-regulate. This is this is kind of a, a nasty. I'm not being mean to withdrawers. I'm not saying they're they're all getting it wrong, but I'm like I'm saying if you don't have someone there, if the withdrawer yeah. leaves the relationship, there's literally no one to co-regulate with. Yeah. You know, I think I hear a lot of folks talk about like, "Oh, she's more interested in the kids than me" or whatever. Yes. Um or he is, it could be either yeah. side. But it's like well, the kids or his don't work get, or her yeah, the kids whatever. don't leave though. The yeah. work doesn't leave. It's like I can go to work or whatever, and they're they're always going to be yeah. there. You know, depending on again, uh, we're kind of making a bit of a stereotype. Where I, I was for a second, and I'm like, it doesn't mean male or female. It yeah. just means if you're the withdrawing partner, staying in the room is the exact opposite of what your body's telling you to do. So, 
it just like, hey, I don't want to trump drama. Maybe at some level it's like, man, I'm trying to hang in there with you. Yeah. I'm trying to get this. I, I don't get it, but I want to get it. There right? were a few That would times, be, I think, an early or a mid-level de-escalation. There were a few times when Chad said, Angela, I am not trying to get this wrong for you. I yeah. am trying to get this right for you, or I'm on your team. Little messages like that, instead of just disengaging, were like just, again, pumping the brakes on that cycle, hijacking both parties. We talk at our workshops, and we've talked on the podcast before about one of our goals is to help you and your partner unite against your cycle. So I ask a lot of times when I'm working with someone, does that strategy help you feel more connected to your partner, more seen, more understood, or more disconnected? And I hear on both sides when the strategies kick up, you don't feel connected. Yeah. You might feel like you didn't make it worse, especially for a withdrawer. They're like, well, I'm just worried that if I stay, it's going to get even worse. So I don't feel more connected, but I don't necessarily feel less connected. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But but what we want to do is try to move to strategies that actually do re-secure that connection when there's been distressed. Um, another couple I, I was thinking about working with and the common theme that not only came up with them, but, th but has come up before was that pursuers, this was a, a kind of a quote, a, a way that she phrased it. I don't have any empathy and he doesn't have any emotion because those were two things we were talking about. And so the pursuer had a hard time, you know, understanding at all that withdrawer strategy, zero empathy for their pain, their problem. I just need you to follow my system. Yeah. And the withdrawer had a hard time sharing any emotion, letting any of that deeper feeling come to the surface. And so even with them, part of their de-escalation included him being able to articulate some of the deeper feelings. Yeah, man. And, and so if, if I'm thinking about this correctly, I'm like, for, for a withdrawer, de-escalation means one, engaging with at least an awareness of this is happening. And, and then two, kind of being able to like, just stay in the room. Yeah. Right. We're just saying, I think Go it's ahead. an engagement on both levels for a withdrawer. When you start to get de-escalated, you first have to re-engage with yourself yeah. and what your process is. And then you have to bring that engagement with yourself to the relationship and engage yeah, yourself sure. into the relationship. Yep, yep. We talked a little bit before a couple episodes ago about when the strategy backfires. And again, with withdrawers, when they go to the doing, it looks like sometimes placating or just capitulating. And that's not what pursuers want either. I don't no want way. you to just yep. stay in the room, but still be disengaged. I want you to be present in internally, fully emotionally, in fully engaged, fully with you. Yeah. And so that I think is something that withdrawers have to work on is, or are trying to work on in that de-escalation is first an engagement with self. Yeah. What is happening for me? What is even this move that I'm making? What possibly does my partner need? Any kind of a, those awarenesses. Same as we're talking about in the last episode, that reviewing a rocky moment. If you review the interaction that went wrong, what part did you play? Where could yeah. you have tried a different phrase or a different strategy or, or to do something slightly different that might have made that play out a little bit differently? So another one, if I'm thinking about what it looks like for a withdrawer to be engaged, it's that they're going to bring distress to their partner mm. without the distress being present. 
from their partner. Does that make sense? It doesn't help so, me understand. <laughs> okay. If I'm having a bad day, right? If I'm struggling or if I'm frustrated even with you or, or something outside of our relationship, generally what I do is try to just file it away and keep going, have a good attitude and get the things done, mm. be productive. Don't worry about expressing what I feel. Yeah. A more engaged withdrawer is able to go, hey, this I, is what's hurting today. I had a bad day. Yeah. And, and not, <laughs> this is another one that's a tricky little trick here. <laughs> I, can say I, had, I can say I had a bad day as a withdrawer a lot of times. And I can tell you all about Leroy or Johnny or Steven or Karen or whoever at work that was the problem. Right. And I'm like, that does not help. I'm telling you a story about what happened at work and not what happened to me. Mm -hmm. So when I say they're able to stay engaged, I really mean engaged with themselves and able to bring forward their experience, Mm -hmm. the way they experience the world, the way they experience their work and, and, and share it with their pursuing partner. Now, the trick here is they're going to need something from the pursuing partner, which is just to listen to it, empathize with it, and be with them, right? It's Let me just repeat that, to listen to it, to empathize with it, and to be with it. Not fix not it. Not to coach it up. Coach it. Not no. to fix it. Not to tell him all the ways that he can avoid that in the future. Yeah. And I think that's where we miss it slightly when we first start getting de-escalated. <laughs> yeah is let's say a withdrawal so I go, all right, I'll try this. I'll bring my emotion. And just like a new move that a pursuer tries and a withdrawer goes, that's a new move. I appreciate it, but I don't know what to do with it. It's the same on our side for pursuers. If Chad all of a sudden starts opening up about his emotion, there is a large part of me that goes, I've wanted this for a really long time, but what does he want? I don't have a clue what to do with this. Or how about I just coach you up a little bit on how to handle that? You wouldn't feel so sad if you would just, (laughs) or where has this been? Why haven't you done this before? How come you all of a sudden now you're so then (laughs) de-escalation again for the relationship, not just for the individual is that when he can re-engage himself and bring himself forward and show some of that deeper feeling that the pursuer can sit with it and empathize with it. When I talked about the couple that said, I don't have an empathy and he doesn't have any emotion. Oddly enough, when he started expressing emotion, she started to go, I never knew you felt that way. I'm so glad you shared that. That is really empathic. All of a sudden she seemed empathic. All of a sudden there was her empathy online. Yeah. And so that's huge. So many times pursuers just make an assumption that withdrawers don't feel anything. By the way, because your strategy has taught you not to feel anything. So it makes sense. And yeah. now we're saying, wait a minute. When you never give yourself permission to feel and then never let anyone see what you feel, how can you possibly be known? Yeah. Well, and that that's... You can't be known. And then you also... That's lonely. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, golly, you go to this lonely place and it's like there just isn't a good move unless you stay in the room. And, you know, I know as a withdrawer, it's like failure is kind of the thing we're looking to avoid. And so we we disengage. If we're not there, right, better to be seen and, and thought of fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt kind of thing. <laughs> it's, it's like, no, I, to stay in the room in our most important relationship and fight for this thing. That, that we haven't been rewarded for, we haven't seen the good from, it's just really hard. I mean, this is, and I, and I don't think pursuers or withdrawers shy away from work, but, but this is really work. 
I think I think especially this de-escalation that we're talking about, it means that we are going to do the hard work, the heavy lifting of relationship. We're going to notice the hard things that we yeah. do to one another. We're going to try to hold the space for one another. We're both going to really commit to saying, hey, we want to work on getting this to a different place. Uh, and so for a withdrawer, that means staying engaged and almost doing and maybe for a pursuer too, doing almost exactly the opposite of what your body's telling yeah. you to do, of what feels natural. That's, I, I think back to your, your guy with this post-it on the door. I'm like, he literally put that there because his body was going to drag him out of the house before he had thoughts about it. And then seeing that post-it made him go, whoa, slow down, stop, do something different here. Yeah. And, and so it is so natural what we do, but, but to really start to look at and see the consequences of our choices that, that leave our partner who, who we love and care for and cherish to see that they get left alone when we disengage, they are left with their pain. They're left in the storm and we don't get to show up for them. We don't get to care for them. Just like in the last episode, I want to break down kind of the length of time or the process that it takes to deescalate as a, on a withdrawer side as well. Again, we're not saying, oh, you're going to listen to this podcast and all of a sudden, cling, the light goes on and you're going to be able to engage yourself and you're going to be able to feel all your feelings and you're going to be able to stay in the room and know what to say. No, none of that is true, actually. Yeah. For so long, you have used the strategies that have kept you alive, used the strategies that have kept you succeeding. And now we're asking you to abandon those strategies and try something new. Or maybe we're just saying, don't necessarily abandon them, but pause for a second and every now and then try this new strategy. Try to stay, try to stay engaged with your emotion. And so first round is you get in a fight, maybe even that, you know, the guy we're talking about leaves the house and where he normally would go drive for an hour, he drives around the block, comes back and says, oh, I realized I just left you. That awareness of how your move impacts your partner that's a great sign of starting to de-escalate. That you can revisit a rocky moment, come back after the fight and say, I think you were trying to communicate something to me and and I missed it. Could you help me? Like just a slight shift of curiosity on the withdrawer's part of what is so important to their pursuer. And it's a dangerous move because if the pursuer is not de-escalated or is potentially still kind of revved up, it could go bad. And yeah. so that's the, the hard part is that we see these withdrawers, man, they are very much like the knight in shining armor that comes in heroically and fights what can sometimes look like the dragon, yeah. you know? Yeah, it, and it's hard. I mean, that's the thing yeah. that I think... You know, de-escalation, I've already said this, but it's like, it is the work of relationship. It is the work yeah. of therapy. You know, the, the as this becomes more natural and you can go to deeper places, and man, that, that feels great. That feels good. It's not that it's necessarily, you're always talking about positive things, but, but you kind of get yeah. responded to. And there's like, there's a new way of, of dancing together. But, but man, I want to just encourage you withdrawers, hang in there with this, do the work that it takes. Don't shy away from the engagement, you know, and, and trying to get clear about what your process is as well. And I know that, heck, you haven't always had that opportunity either, but to really do this well in relationship means that we're going to have to take those risks and have to see if we can find a reward um, in that risk. I want to ask just to help with expectations because the pursuer can be listening to this going, oh, my withdrawer is going to listen to this and it's everything's going to shift. Or maybe even if a, a withdrawer is listening to this going, 
I want to get this right, but this feels hard to me. And so I want you to, to kind of share honestly. I was working with withdrawer and we were like a year and a half in and my withdrawer said, I am a year and a half in and we have done so much work and this still doesn't feel natural. Yeah. Does it ever feel natural? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it ever feels natural. I see you shaking your head. Kind of <laughs> like, like, I, no. I don't think but, it does. But I don't, I don't think it feels like completely natural, but I think it feels less awkward over time. Mm. Right? I think there's a big... You start to trust it? Yeah, there's a big learning curve at the beginning. And and just like we mentioned this for pursuers, but like, uh, you know, just like if I stick, in the, stick it out and hang out in their house and don't leave and don't disengage and somebody blows me up anyway, like that's that doesn't feels so good. And maybe that tells me, Hey, I'm not going to stick it out. So we have ups and downs and we kind of move in and out of this. And as life is stressful and other things, but you're, we're not, and again, we're not trying to train out the ability to disengage. Yeah. Right. So we're not trying to make a withdrawer, stop being a withdrawer. We're just kind of asking in this relationship, can we stay more engaged? Yeah. Can we stay more available? So I would say, yeah, as long as um, you've been doing your with your strategies around withdrawing, probably that'll, they'll stick around for a long, long time. Yeah. You know, the other day I was driving my truck and, and it's a newer truck. I used to drive a truck that had a, a clutch and I found myself like reaching for the clutch with my left foot. And I'm like, what in the world am I doing? Like <laughs> I, long I haven't, I know it's been standard. like five or seven years or something. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm like, what in the yeah. world would, am I reaching for the clutch for? And so sometimes our muscles, our bodies will just remember, Hey, I used to do that here. Should I do that here? And you'll find yourself doing something you don't want to do. So the way that we say, does it feel natural? I don't know. You can find a new normal though. You can find a new level of like safety with it. So, so that brings us to our connect point. The connect point is designed to help you have a different conversation about how you experience your relationship. Small adjustments lead to big change over time. Take some time to practice with us now. All right. In this connect point, we want you to think about and really take the time to imagine this. Like if our withdrawing partner, if, if Chad uh, were to try a new strategy, were to stay in the room and try to express a little bit of what's going on inside of me, right? If our withdrawers could do that, then what would that be like for the pursuer? Can a pursuer start to say, hmm, I see that that's difficult. I see that this is hard and I'm going to try to express some empathy, as Angela's mentioned, for that that strategy, for the, the work that's being done over there. So we're going to see if our pursuing partners can really take in the work that that withdrawing partner is doing and how difficult it is to be in their shoes in this situation. And now it's time for you to go connect with your partner. Thanks so much for listening to us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, one of the best things you can do for us is to share it with another couple that you think could benefit from it. You can rate us and give us a review on your listening platform, and you can follow us on our Facebook page, The Real Emhoffs. If you want to support our nonprofit that makes resources available for couples, you can check out the Ways to Give tab on our website, therealemhoffs.com. We love to hear from our listeners, so feel free to message or email us with ideas you might like us to talk about or the ways that our ConnectPoint conversations are impacting your relationship. Thanks Thanks again. again.